Hey, um, my name is Dan. If we have not met before, it is nice to be with you this morning. And uh, Alicia, who uh, hosted just before, and Rob, who led worship, those two are married. I'm just tidying up some details here. Yeah, yeah, you guys are. And I'm married to Gab, who's over by the coffee. And together, as the four of us, we, we lead Central Vineyard together as the co-leadership. And it's our great pleasure and privilege to get to do so, to be part of the journey of this community. Uh, this is year eight of Central Vineyard, and uh, it's good to be together. It's good to be journeying out of the storms of the last couple of years that we've all experienced and into some life together. And for those of you who missed last week, we had a different series plan that we were going to be starting last Sunday. Um, but we've, we've held it off, and we're going to, st- we're going to pick that up off after uh, Pentecost, sorry, find my words, after Pentecost, because we're responding to an invitation from the Holy Spirit that we sensed where the Holy Spirit seemed to just be saying to us as a church, I want you to know me more. I want you to know me more. So last week I started the series by speaking on come Holy Spirit, these three words that have been in the church for 2,000 years nearly, and how this is a prayer, that at the heart of this prayer, it is about desire. It's about desire. You could rewrite come Holy Spirit to be a different phrase. The phrase could be, God, we want you here. Key word being want. God, we want you here. We want you. It's a prayer of desire. Today, I uh, want to look at the second part of that prayer. So if we're saying this prayer of desire, well, who are we saying it to? Who's it aimed at? Today, I want to look at the important question, who is the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? That's where we're looking today. So with that, I want to invite you to pray with me for a moment, and we're going to come to the Scriptures, come to the life of Jesus, and we're going to look at this together. Who is the Holy Spirit? So let's pray. Lord, we just still ourselves. We just take a deep breath, and we just become aware of where we are. We are in your presence. We are with the people of God. We are gathered together as a church. This is not a normal thing or a normal time or a normal place. This is holy and sacred. You you have called us to be holy people, a holy temple together. And so here we are, we're here. We're with our brothers and our sisters. And you are building us into being a living place together a place that holds your presence, a place that knows you well. And so as we come to your word today, as we come to the scriptures, as we come to these ideas, I pray, Lord, that they would not merely just be good ideas, but something of life would be caught today. Life of your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and bring life upon these bones, as we've already sang this morning. Come, breathe life into our hearts again. Do that as we are together, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit, we desire you. We long for you. We want you here. Amen. Let me start by saying this. What are we talking about when we are talking about spirit? Um, Happy and enthusiastic and energetic people are said to be in good spirits. And we may say of someone who is down that they seem to be in 
low spirits. We might say of an athlete that they played that game with a winning spirit. And coaches will drill uh, team members when they're slacking off and they're not carrying the team spirit. Uh, People who live outside the boundaries of convention, we say that they might have a free spirit. If we were to zoom up above culture, and we're to look at our moment in the world right now, if we were to sort of zoom up 10,000 feet and, and assess it, we might summarize that what we are finding as we look at culture is the spirit of the age, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. If you like a good single malt whiskey or a good boutique distilled gin, then you go to the liquor store and you are, you are buying something in the category of a spirit. People who live outside the boundaries of convention. Oh, I've already done that one. Ghost hunters with night. This is going all over the show, isn't it? Ghost hunters with night vision cameras set up in haunted houses are trying to capture footage of haunted spirits. And in moments like today, in church, during worship, during communion, during moments like this, some of us might even be saying we are feeling the Spirit. Some of us might be sensing the Spirit speaking to us. The Spirit might be showing us a picture. The Holy Spirit might be giving us an encouragement. So again, what are we talking about when we are talking about Spirit? Because it's a pretty wide picture, isn't it? Well, to answer that question, I want to start by showing the the words of one of the great writers of the last hundred years, A.W. Tozer. Here in his little booklet entitled, How to be Filled with the Holy Spirit, which was actually a transcript of some sermons he preached in the 50s. It got turned into a little booklet, like many of his little booklets are. Tozer says this, I'd love you just to dig in deep and pay attention here as to what he is saying. Now, what is the Holy Spirit? Not who, but what? Well, the answer is that the Holy Spirit is a being dwelling in another mode of existence. He has not weight, nor measure, nor size, nor any color, no extension in space, but he nevertheless exists as surely as you exist. He is a person Put that down in capital letters. Remember, this is a sermon, so he's literally talking to the person who's taking notes, being like, put that down in capital letters. That the Holy Spirit is not only a being having another mode of existence, but he is himself a person with all the qualities and powers of personality. He is not matter, but he is substance. The Holy Spirit is often thought of as a beneficent wind that blows across the church. If you think of the Holy Spirit as being literally a wind, a breath, then you think of him as non-personal and non-individual. But the Holy Spirit has will and intelligence and feeling and knowledge and sympathy and ability to love and see and think and hear and speak and desire the same as any person has. So the Holy Spirit is a person. That's what he is. Now, who is he? He is God. The Holy Spirit is a person 
The Holy Spirit is God. In our day and age, in our cultural moment in the world we find ourselves in, how in all confidence can we actually say such an absurd statement? How can we say so with confidence? How could we, like Tozer, say, oh, the Holy Spirit is a person, and that person is God? Well, to start off with, we need to look at how the Spirit fits into our understanding when we think about God. So to do that, I would love you to turn in your Bibles with me today to two texts. The first text is Matthew 28. The second text is Ephesians 1. So Matthew 28, if you've got your phone on your device, feel free to look at it. But please leave your Facebooking and Instagram for later and your TikToks for afterwards. Let's go to the Word of God together. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and he told his disciples I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The words of Jesus there, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus here is explaining and commissioning his disciples out. And he gives them a Trinitarian commission. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. And just uh, we're going to read a bit of scripture here that paints the same picture from the words of Paul. So verse 3, Ephesians 1. All praise to God, the Father... Of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us, so he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God, the Father, for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace. He purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and he forgave us our sins. He showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us this mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his pleasure. This is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. And furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. What is this inheritance that he's speaking of? Here it comes. He chose in advance to make everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we, the Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, the inheritance, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance that He's promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. In Ephesians 1, we have this Trinitarian picture Father, Son, and Spirit. 
We have the same picture sort of blown out a little bit wider than when Jesus is issuing it in Matthew 28. We have the Father, the one who has this great plan of love. We have the Son, the one who has outworked the plan. And we have the Spirit, the immersion and the seal upon the church to be the continuation of this plan. Three persons of different substantive modes, each doing their distinct job, yet all one character shared in the nature of one love. Welcome to the great mystery of our faith, the idea of the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is not a word in our Bibles. You're not going to find it anywhere in this book. It's actually a word from the church fathers. Uh, The first one who wrote it and used it in writing was Theophilus of Antioch in the second century. But some of the church fathers were starting to use Father, Son, and Spirit before then. But Theophilus was the first one to write it down. Um, And it's a great topic of the early church. And actually, what it was, was it was actually a topic as they wrestled with heresies. As they wrestled with right belief. As they wrestled with correct doctrine. So at the councils of Nicaea and Constantinople, they wrestled with these big ideas about what is going on between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And as they wrestled with that, they were wrestling with Trinity theology, Trinitarian theology. And so what ended shaking out of that process is this Trinitarian doctrine that goes like this. God exists as one, sorry, as three persons, but in one being, having this single nature of divine love. And the members of the Trinity are co-equal and they're co-eternal. They're one in essence, one in nature, one in power and action and will. And as it says in the creeds, Father is uncreated, the Son is uncreated, and the Holy Spirit is uncreated. All three are eternal without being. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're not three different names for three different parts of God separate from each other. It's one name for God because these three persons exist in one entity. Let's try and say that a little bit easier, shall we? For those of you who are like, it's too early for some of this stuff, Dan. I have three pictures I want to show you. Two of these are heresies. One of them is helpful. Let's start with the first one. On your left, water. Water is an analogy often used to explain the Trinity. Why is that? Because water can be three things, can't it? It can be water as a liquid, it can be steam, and it can be ice. Three modes, right? And so it's been a good analogy for Sunday school teachers to use for kids to say this is what the Trinity is like. Like water can be three things, but all water, uh, so is the Trinity. But this is a heresy. (laughs) The heresy is modalism. Because God is not individually each thing by itself. You cannot have both steam and ice at the same time, can you? Can you? Some of you are like, I didn't go through school enough to know the answer. Um, no, you can't. You can't have steam and ice at the same time, but yet the Father, the Son, and the Spirit coexist together. One does not leave to become the other one when we're thinking of God. This is modalism. So while it is helpful to get us thinking about the three parts of God, it's actually not correct. It's actually a heresy. Another analogy that's often used is that of the shamrock or the three-leaf clover. 
God is three parts connected to a stem. And again, this is helpful, but it's also untrue. It's another heresy, and the heresy is called tritheism. And this heresy is that God is these three different substances, but God is not divided up into three pieces of a whole. God is entirely the whole. So again, this analogy falls flat, which brings me to the third picture there. The third picture. Now, it's the most helpful analogy that I'm about to explain to you, but as always, analogies do break down and eventually it will stop working. That's what analogies always do. But the most helpful analogy that scholars use is this third analogy on your right. It's the analogy of the dance. Dance, movement, and in particular, a dance that is of three persons dancing together in movement and relationship, dancing to one piece of music, moving in unity and enjoying one another, yet three distinct dances amongst the music. This analogy has its roots in a very important key Greek word. The word is perichoresis. And this word speaks of this dance. It's one of the, it's one, it's part, part of the word, choresis, is also where we get choreography from. So it's speaking of this thing of movement. And here in this great dance, what we see here in this stained glass window that I'm showing you here, is we see it taking place. We see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And the stained glass window is trying to show it, this movement of the three moving around with each other, part of each other, blending with each other dancing with each other. And in the middle there, we have this triangle. And this triangle is blending the same colors. And it's sort of saying, this is God. God is made up like this. This is the movement of God. This is what God is like. Moving together in unity, blended, moving to the music. Yet, there's three distinct characters in the dance. Uh, maybe a slightly more technical way to break this down for those of you who are finding this too much of an analogy. Let me pull up a diagram. We've used this before here at the church, but I'm just going to pull it up again. This diagram is a really helpful way to explain that same circular dance, that same circular picture. And what it is here is we've got the same thing in the middle. We've got God. When we think of God, what are we thinking of? Well, we're thinking of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Father is not the Son, and the Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son, the Holy Spirit is not the Father. But yet the Father is in the Son, and the Son is in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is in the Father. And all of them together are glorifying each other. They're all pointing to each other as if to say, I am enjoying you and loving you, and you, you should have the glory. This is the dance, the great dance of three in one, one in three, all moving together in this loving union. This is perichoresos. Perichoresos. The Trinity is a great mystery of our faith. And just doing a little segment on it for the last six minutes is not going to do a lot of justice to it. It might be bending your mind a little bit today. It's just sitting there looking at this going like, I don't get how some of those lines are saying what they're saying. But this is an essential doctrine of our faith. This is an essential piece. Uh, the words of Bernard of Clairvaux, a 12th century monk, are really helpful in this moment. He said this on the Trinity. He said, it is rashness to search too far into it. It is piety to believe it. It is life eternal to know it. Listen to this line. And we can never have a full comprehension of it till we come to enjoy it. 
Can I get an amen for Bernard? Coming to enjoy life with God is the goal here. It's the point. It's not just some mental ascent. Oh, yep, I understand that diagram that you just showed me. Got it. No, it's this, it's this knowing of God, this experiencing of God, this enjoyment of God. Theologians would even say it's the joining in on the perichoresis. In Colossians, where it talks about how Christ, when God looks at us, all he sees is Christ. It's this invitation in to the dance. Bernard says it this way. We will never have a full comprehension of it till we come to enjoy it, to be included in it, to participate in it. So today we are asking the question, who is the Holy Spirit? And the first answer from Tozer and the likes and from thinking about some Trinitarian theology and from Bernard of Clairvaux would be the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. But a second answer I want to put on the table today is that the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence in us, on us, and to us. The Holy Spirit is the indwelling and empowering presence of the Godhead in us, on us, who glorifies the Father and the Son to us. Indwelling, it's, it's God's filling presence in our lives, in our beings, into our matter, that we would experience love, tactile and tangible, experiencing God's nearness. It's empowering, it's God's work and power on our lives to, to cultivate and bring us to kingdom fruit in the world, that something is motivating us beyond ourselves as we go into creation to do good works. And it's glorifying in that it's not isolated and alone, but it's this loving union, these two dynamic natures of the Godhead, glorifying them and honoring them to us. We're experiencing more of the Father by the Spirit. We're experiencing more of the, of the Son by the Spirit. So let's just flesh this out a little bit here this morning. To do so, I wanna just show you in John 14 through to 16, Jesus has these five, what theologians call paraclectic sayings. Paraclectic sayings. Uh, paraclectic because he's speaking of the paraclete. This is a word we used last week. We started here last Sunday and we talked about how the paraclete is the word in the scriptures when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And it means, it means uh, this thing of advocate. And so I'll just go back a slide. In these scriptures in John, you might want to take a photo of those because I'm not going to dig very deep in them today. I'm just going to skim them. But you might like to sit with them even deeper this week as your own devotional time. You might like to sit with them as you read the scriptures this week, as you come to a quiet time with Jesus. These might be really good um, bits of uh, scripture to sit in. But what I want to do today is I just want to take a little bit of a snapshot of some of the things that Jesus is saying and, um, and what he's doing here. So in John 14 to 16, we have these sayings about the paraclete. And so the paraclete is this word for advocate. And when we think of that, we might think of like in the legal sense, in the legal sense, a person who will plead a case before the court in place of another. Advocacy, standing in place and, and pleading their case. But, but also the word advocate actually means to call alongside. Like, like, like when a big brother grabs their, their younger brother around the shoulders and pulls them into the group to play with them. Or, or like when a mum pulls their young child in and places them at the family table at dinner time. It is this moment of saying, you belong here. 
I want you with us here. Come and play with me, younger brother. Sit at the table with us as a family, little child. Come, you belong, participate. And so this call is a call to companionship. It's a call to belonging. And it's at the very heart of the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit is for. It's its main work. The Holy Spirit is this companion, um, and as Eugene Peterson put it in his translation of the paraclete in the message, in his paraphrase the message, he would translate it as friend. This advocate is not just some professional workhorse. The advocate is a friend. A friend. He's a friend in nature. And so for the next two chapters, according to Jesus, this advocating friend is a presence that we can have that will do five things for us. This is just straight off the teachings of Jesus, the stuff. I'm just going to skim it, but here it is. Firstly, he is the spirit of truth. This friend and this advocate will, will, will affirm what is good, what is pure, what is right, and what is holy. That will be the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It will, it will bring about the sense of this is good, this is right, this is pure, this is holy. Knowing the Spirit is to know the Spirit of truth. Secondly, the Spirit is the teacher. The Holy Spirit is the presence that teaches us. We actually learn to pray by the Spirit. We, we discern our spiritual gifts and guide them into proper use by the Spirit. We're, we're connected together by the Spirit, not to live in the systems of this world, but by another way, the way of the kingdom of God, by love, love that is joyful, peaceful, patient, and kind, and so on and so on. The teacher will teach us how to become those people. The Spirit is the witness this is back to that Trinitarian theology where it's glorifying. The Spirit does not operate as some lone wolf. We are not a Holy Spirit-only church here at Central Vineyard. Whenever we utter the words Holy Spirit, we are naming God, but we do not believe that that's the only picture for God. Because the Holy Spirit is testifying and pointing to Christ and testifying and pointing to the Father. So when we hear the good news of Jesus' life and His ministry, His death and His resurrection, the Holy Spirit brings that to life in us. When we sit in creation and we look at creation, we think, gosh, the, the Father, the Creator has put this together so wonderfully. The Holy Spirit is cultivating in us gratitude for the Creator. It's all the work of the Spirit as it witnesses to those things around us, bringing them to another form of life. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit is the prosecutor. I think of Billy Graham's words, you know, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, it's my job to love. The Holy Spirit is the presence of conviction you know, whether internally in us, like that feeling that sort of sits in our stomach and our soul, or whether it's externally, just common wisdom, who points out in us what's wrong. And then there's a sense of justice and a sense of compassion that can arise uh, as, we, as we kind of meet face to face with this injustice. I think back to just a few weeks ago when we had our um, stories service, our stories gathering, and Scott Pollock stood here and he told you his story of discovering compassion around Ukraine war. And, and it was interesting hearing him talk about the work of the Spirit in that process with him. The work of the Spirit. The prosecutor who's pointing out in him something that he wants him to move towards. An injustice to move towards. 
a correction to make. It's the work of the Spirit. And lastly, the Holy Spirit is the guide to the Father. As Jesus, quote, only did what he saw the Father doing in John 5, 19. So too the, the Holy Spirit only speaks into us and leads us into what is of the Father's heart for us. The Spirit joins the Father in bringing us towards the thing that the Father wants to reveal and takes us to the places that the Father's heart has for us. The common thing in all of these examples today, and these are just from those two chapters of John, they're not even that big a picture yet, but the common thing from these examples and from Tozer's opening piece today is that the Holy Spirit, as Jesus' term of paraclete, is one of being a person. A person. All of those titles I just gave you, they're people terms. They're person terms. Which means there's a couple of things that the Holy Spirit isn't. First thing that the Holy Spirit isn't. The Holy Spirit is not just a power. If the Holy Spirit is a person, there is power. I'm not saying there's no power. There is power. Just like there's power in knowing another person. And sometimes it comes to life and it zings and it zaps. In personality, there is power. But we get dangerously out where we cannot swim when we think that the Holy Spirit is only power. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, he used to put it this way, his presence is his power. The reason this story came about is because people started coming to the early Vineyard conferences looking for the zap, looking for the thing that was going to make the thing happen. They were looking for the power, but they weren't looking for the person. And so his line, as he started to try and teach people through this, is like, oh, no, 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 we worship our way into his presence, and in his presence is his power. In his personhood, in his person being with us, we will experience the things of his person to us. His presence with us, the power will be there. He will want to do what he wants to do with us. If we separate it, we are in dangerous territory. We must not separate the work of God from the presence of God. The power of God is found in his personhood, becoming known to us. The power of God is not just the work of God's hand, it's also the knowing of God's face and his heart, and his mind, and being in his sight. When God heals, it's always a work of the Spirit healing us, not just in a physical zap, but also in love, and in mercy, and attention towards us. It's his presence that we will find his power in. Also, the Holy Spirit is not a program or a formula. Do you know what caused me a lot of sleep last night? I was wondering if I put the right program in there. If I put the right program in there, I still don't know. P-R-O-G-A-M, P-R-O-G-R-A-M-M-E. I don't know. Literally, I was like lying in bed at like 11.30 being like, trying to look it up. Like, have I got the right program on my slide for tomorrow? Now, there are rhythms, there are containers, there are practices we can do to experience life with the Spirit. There are certain programs and rhythms and, and even like formulas that we can find to, to, to experience life with God. Like here's one, like 
Having a quiet time with the Lord is going to get you to achieve, uh, is going to get you to experience God a lot more than just walking around every day without that. Right? That's a good container that we should have. But the Holy Spirit is not a program or a formula. A plus B equals C is not quite how this works. It's sadly too limited. Because remember, he is a person. And so sometimes he's going to do things outside of the program and outside of the formula. Because the Spirit is a person, there's always going to be a part yet to discover. Because he is a Holy Spirit as a person, there's going to be a surprise. There is going to be a side yet to know. Because the Spirit is a person, there is unpredictability. And anything can happen. Anything can happen. I started with a little bit of wisdom from A.W. Tozer uh, to close the talk up today. And then we're just going to take a few moments to just quietly listen to what we sense the Lord might be saying to us together. I started with um, Tozer. I want to land with a bit of wisdom from a man called Gary Best. Gary Best used to lead the Canadian Vineyard. And uh, he wrote a terrific book called, the Natural, uh, called Naturally Supernatural. And in it, he has this little analogy, which I think is really helpful. I just want to show you. This is what Gary says. Imagine, imagine that I came to work for you, hired because of my international reputation as a chef. Perhaps our relationship works perfectly for some time. We're both happy as, as I have a good working environment and you are eating better than you ever have for years. But then one day, you arrive home to discover that two of the walls of your home are missing. And when you run to me to discover what possibly could have gone wrong, I respond, oh, didn't you know? I'm not only a world-renowned culinary expert, I'm a carpenter on the side, and I'm renovating your home. What would your response be? Asks Gary. Well, other than calling the police, it may sound something like this. I'm sorry, but, but I invited you as a chef. I never asked you to renovate my house. And this is the part of the problem with the Holy Spirit. Many of us have invited him as a counselor or friend. He is that, of course, but he is more than that. He not only wants to nourish and guide us and unite us to the love of the Father, he also wants to overwhelm us, inflaming our hearts with vision, passion, and with courage. These are two different baptisms of the same Spirit. You know, do you know the Holy Spirit as the quiet guide? That's wonderful. Do you know the Holy Spirit is the one who brings something nourishing to you? Oh, that is wonderful. That is good news. Do you know the Holy Spirit is the one who, when you pray, you, you, sense, a, you sense the Spirit? That is wonderful. But also, says Gary, do you know the Holy Spirit is the one who is the inflamer of vision, of passion, and of courage? And the Holy Spirit wants to baptize all of us. He wants to baptize all of us, and when he baptizes all of us, Anything can happen. Now that word baptize that, that uh, Gary used is also the word immerse. You know, we started today by reading from, Act, uh, from Matthew. 
As we read from Matthew, we heard Jesus' great commissioning that he gave his apprentices that day and sent them out into the world. And the commission was this, go and baptize, or another word for that is immerse. Immerse people. Immerse people in the reality of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Immerse them into full reality. Immersion means that we get fully under. You know, in some churches, when it's baptism time, it's a sprinkle of water. Uh, here at Central Vineyard, when we do baptisms, we take you to the beach and we dunk you right under. Because it's a story and a metaphor and a picture of this picture of immersion, full trust, fully covered. When you get immersed, everything gets wet. And so what Jesus is saying here is, oh, don't, don't just dip your toe into life with God. Oh, don't just paddle up to your knees. Get right in. Get right in. And another way we could say this is let go. Let go and just fully trust. Open up. And be prepared to be fully known to God as you do that. Be prepared to be fully open to Him. To be immersed in love. And I know that sounds risky. Last week I spoke a lot about this idea that to, to talk about the Holy Spirit as a spectrum and so many of us have, have encountered various parts of that spectrum. I know that. I'm not going to repeat myself today. But I know that, that sounds risky to do what I've just talked about. But like every relationship in life, like every relationship we have, we all know the truth that lies within those relationships. The more I open up to you, the more I will know. And the more you will know of me. That is at the core of relationship. And so it is the great adventure of knowing God. The great adventure, not to be afraid of it, but to go into it. And so who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God and comes to us as God's empowering presence in us, on us, and to us. That's the best I can give you in the 30 minutes I have had today. Next Sunday, we are going to look a little bit further in the series. We're going to be looking at what happens when the Spirit empowers the church. And to do so, we have an absolutely wonderful guest coming. We have Bron Tate, who some of you would have heard last, last year when she came with Phil, her husband. Phil and Bron are coming. Bron's going to be preaching on Sunday morning with us here next week. And she's going to be talking about the empowered church. Then on Monday night, straight after, so next Monday night, not this one coming, but the next one, 22nd on May. Uh, we are having a prayer ministry training night with Phil and with Bron Tate. They're going to be leading us through some teaching and some clinic on that. Then the week after is Pentecost Sunday, and that's what this has all been heading towards. Pentecost Sunday is going to be here on Sunday morning, and I'm going to talk about staying responsive, learning to walk with the Spirit. How do we put some good containers in this, and how do we do this well? And then that night, we have a Pentecost prayer and worship evening. We'd love you to come to that. We'd love you to add that to the things of May in your, in your calendar. We'd love you to be at that as we do that together. Um, and so um, what we just want to do as we, as we land today is we want to keep putting ourselves into the words of the prayer of this series, Come Holy Spirit. 
Um, and all week what I've uh, been doing is I've been praying every morning and, and asking the Lord for a few people throughout our church who could come to church today, and, and they've done so, looking and listening for the work of the Spirit amongst us. And so my hope is, is that as we just lean into this prayer now, uh, three people have been keeping their ear to heaven, looking for what God might be doing to, to bring us encouragement, to bring us a sense of what God might be saying. And so I want to invite us all to stand, and we're going to just turn our hearts again. Remember, this is desire. That's all this is. It's, a, it's the desire piece. Come, Holy Spirit, is to say, Lord, we desire your voice. We desire your move. And I know some of you have got to start thinking about heading off to Mother's Day lunches and all sorts of things. Can you just park them for like five minutes, please? Park the best that you can, thinking about the future, and just be present to this moment as we say, Spirit of God, come. Wairo tapu, no mai haere mai. You are welcome here. We welcome you. Come and speak. Come and move. Come and be that person that we desire you to be. Come and be that person we desire you to be. We open our hearts. We still ourselves. This is not about hyping anything up. That is never the agenda here. But we do turn our desire up. Lord, we turn our desire up to know you. We turn our desire up to be known to you. We say, Holy Spirit, we want you here in our lives. Holy Spirit, we want you here to be with us. We turn our ears to be open now. As I said, I've asked a couple of people if they'd be praying for us during the week, and, and they have been, and I'm just going to take a risk and throw to them now and see if they have anything. So if you do, could you come, those three people? If you didn't, that's fine, but... Oh, you're all moving. Praise God. My first risk of the morning is eventuated into something fruitful. Wonderful. This is Isaac, everybody. And this is Jill. And this is Graham. Why don't you guys all come? And I'm just going to let you guys all take the mic and give, give what you've sensed. But this is for all of us now, okay, guys? This is ministry this morning. Isaac, why don't you go first, buddy? Yeah. Um, I'm not great with mics, so forgive me. But I got uh, two sort of adjacent but slightly different words and one was um, counterfeit and I feel like God's saying that he wants to restore and redeem some counterfeit experiences people have had so yeah if, if that's you I would love to pray for you and then the other is um, yeah I had a picture of like a, a bank and it was the bank of God and the yeah we, we were coming as a people to the bank of God and so some of us went to uh, withdraw some money and the, the, the world of cash that the, the tother gave us was far more than we had ever expected and it wasn't what we wanted. But I feel like God was saying there was more for you than you could ever, um, like, ever expect. And so, yeah, again, if that's you, I would love to pray for you. Okay. So if you sense there's something in those words for you this morning, all I'm going to ask you to do is just hold your hands out a little in front of you like you're receiving a gift, someone giving you a gift. And, and that's a posture to say, Spirit of God, Come and give me, give me that that you've that you've just given. 
I want that too. And Isaac's just going to pray those two words for you. So if, if there's a sense that you want to respond to them, Isaac's going to pray. Yeah, yeah, Father. Father, I pray that for all of us who have had counterfeit experiences, God, where we've got, we've, we've seen things or we've felt things, we've had stuff spoken over us, that's not of you. God, I want to pray that you break that now, that you restore our hearts, God, that you give gently, God, that you give gently, that you are not a God that takes. Yeah, yeah, Father. And I pray for for the, the coming weeks, God, that as um, we have brought and Lord take, God, and, and we have Pentecost coming up, that God, as people... As we come to your throne, we say, God, we are here. God, I pray that you would give us more than we have ever experienced. Naturally and supernaturally, God, I pray you will fill our cups. Just a few words, really. Um, I felt he's saying, you don't have to be afraid of me. You can trust me. You don't have to be afraid of me. You can trust me. You don't have to be afraid of me. You can trust me. Lord, thank you. We know that perfect love casts out fear. Thank you for your perfect love. And Jesus, help us not just to dip our toes in or just to go up to our knees or our waist. Jesus, help us to trust you so that we can go all in. Help us, Jesus, to go all in. Help us, Holy Spirit, to go all in. Thank you, Father. were a little bit more specific when I had a picture of a man um, had a beard don't know if that was just telling me it was a man or men probably men who your relationship with the Holy Spirit something about your relationship with the Holy Spirit is not good in terms of you're uncomfortable and maybe you've you've prayed before and nothing's happened or maybe you're afraid of the Holy Spirit and God's just I just felt God saying he wants to shift that today. He wants to shift your relationship with the Holy Spirit so that it becomes more as it should be. Um, this, the other second, second one, or it was the third one I got, but someone here maybe has an ear problem in the ear, on the right ear. Something wrong with your, some, maybe sore or something. And I just felt perhaps God wants to reach out and heal that. The other, the other one that I got, and I'm going to pray for the second one in a minute for you all, but the other one that I got was specifically for couples. And for, I felt like there were two or three couples here who've been about children and wanting children. So we're talking about Mother's Day today and nothing's happening. And I just, want, just felt like God was saying, uh, God wanted to touch that today and to speak into that today. And I kind of felt, you know, there might be 
two or three people, couples here and if that's you, I just want to encourage you to, to um, get together with someone who you trust pastorally and pray through that. You know, there's a number of times in the scriptures when couples were not having children and God moved and something happened. And I think specifically of Hannah. It wasn't until she got there before God with, with Eli the priest and they prayed together and something happened. You might be on IVF or thinking or even just thinking about you know, for some reason that it might not happen. But I just want to pray, particularly into that second one, but encourage you other two. Um, Father, I pray for each of us, Lord, here today, and especially for us men, God, that we'd be able to connect with you, Holy Spirit, Wairatapu, and God, that you would move and do that shift in our hearts, those of us who are struggling in that area, Lord, to connect and to, Lord, to, to experience. Lord, we see others experiencing and sometimes we haven't. But you said, God, that if we ask you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, you'll give us something good. You won't give us a, a stone when we ask for an egg or a snake when we ask for bread. God, we, we ask you, Holy Spirit, would you come? And if there's someone here with that ear thing, I'd really like to pray for you. So what we're going to do is we're going to finish with Waiata. We're going to sing together as we land. And, and, and we want to just make the space available. If anyone wants to continue and be prayed for for anything in particular, you can just come forward. It's, it's not magic coming forward. It's just logistical. It just helps us to be able to pray. But actually what's more beautiful is you might be right next to a person right now who could pray. And so just as we sing, just for these last closing minutes, you might like to turn to the person next to you and say, that one was me. Just Could you just bless me and pray? God's already started the work by bringing the word. And now it's just about saying, just Lord, come and do that work. I trust your work of the Spirit. I'm not going to strive my way into this anymore. I trust your work. Come Holy Spirit. We're not trying to hype anything up here, but we are trying to turn up our desire. And so Lord, we desire you. And so with those words ringing around our room and those words ringing around our hearts, we just lay ourselves before you again. And we say, come Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. So lead us on, Rob, and let's sing together. Wait, who are